Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody, Tandy here and you are back with us listening to the Beer Ladies podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend Christina and we have got a very special guest for you today. We've got Apiwe. Now if you don't know who Apiwe is, don't worry, you will soon because I have a whole <laughs> intro. Even though you could speak for just and you could speak for the full hour on Apiwe's achievements and her involvement in the beer industry, we're going to we're, we're going to glaze over all of it and introduce Apiwe in a minute. And um, but what we just want to do first is, you know, remind you all that we are on all the social medias whether you are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Mastodon, Instagram, I think I've covered all of them. We're at Beer Ladies Pod wherever you get your podcasts on all the socials. And we're at beerladiespodcast.com if you want to find out all the links or if you want to go back and look at our gift guide from last week because that was a fun one. Um, gifts for the beers, the beer lovers and the brewers alike. Right. We are welcoming Apiwe Mosani Mawela to our podcast, our very first African um, Brewster onto the Beer Ladies podcast. And it's about damn time since uh, Apiwe is from South Africa, as am I, and it has been um, a long time coming. Now, for those listening at home, Apiwe is the probably the most well-known um, female brewer in Africa, let alone just South Africa, not just because, but very much part of, she's the first black woman to have ever owned a microbrewery in the country, yeah. which was a really big achievement at the time and still owns one. We're going to get to that. Um, she's the current owner of Tolokazi Brewery, founder of Brew for Change, which we'll talk more about as well, all around beer nerd. I mean, Apiwe is a BJCP judge, the chair of the Institute of Brewing and Distilling in Africa, has a national diploma in clear fermented beverages. I'm sure we'll touch on that too. And regularly judges beer competitions and speaks at conferences all over the world. Welcome, Apiwe. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Hi, Tandy. Hi, Christian. How are you guys doing? Very, very well. All the better for having you on our on our pod. Mm. Now we'll get to a little bit about your journey and you know telling us about all of your um, your you know your current projects and how you got into it in a minute. But let's go around the room and just say what is everybody drinking? And um, Apiwe, let's start with you as our as our guest of honor. Tell us what you're drinking. Show us what it is. <laughs> um, uh, because I knew you ladies will be having beer. 
I just wanted to also showcase the other the my other side. So I'm today having my um Dorokaze cider. It's a rooibos and berry cider. So rooibos is um one of the South African indigenous indigenous teas. So uh, it's a tea infused cider. Beautiful. Sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, look at that super color. refreshing. <laughs> The color is gorgeous. So for those who are listening and not watching, it's it's almost got like a, a deep sort of red hue. Um, and I yeah. guess that's from the Roy Bush. Roy, Roy means red. So red bush. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ah, you haven't Amazing. forgotten your, you haven't lost your roots, huh? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. People. What are you guys having? <laughs> right. Christina, what are you drinking, friend? Um, so I have this uh, Dre Fontaine. Um, it's the Intense Rude, um, which I smuggled back with me last time I was in Bruges. Um, and I am, you know, hoarding away like a dragon for Christmas. <laughs> Love it. And I've got I've got a new to me beer. Um, one of my colleagues who is from the Czech Republic or Chechia named Jan, thank you Jan, brought me a beer back last week. So I'm delighted to try it. It's called uh, Hazy Citra and it's by a brewery called Permon. Uh, I'm not familiar with them, but um, anyone that's been to Prague or to the Czech Republic, you know, you often just associate lagers and especially lovely dark lagers with them. But there is a big craft movement happening over there and lots of different styles coming out. So I'm really keen to try it. And I mean, look at this, look at this color. It's hazy. It's uh, just looks beautiful. Lovely head. It was very frothy when I poured it. And? Mm. Oh, yeah, it's very nice. It's very wow. juicy. Yes, Tandy approved. That's it. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, Piwe, let's start. Let's start a little bit at the beginning um, because, you know, you've got a whole life journey of, of beer history to go through. But uh -huh. tell us how you got into beer to begin with. Yeah, so um, my journey to be actually started from the love of science. Um, not a nerd. I know you said I'm a nerd. <laughs> I don't think myself as a nerd, but I enjoyed medicine and uh, biology in high school. Um, my parents wanted me to become a doctor, um, and and I think that's also because uh, you know I grew up in the in the Eastern Cape, which is like a rural side of uh, South Africa. So both my parents were teachers. Um, so it was more like they didn't know any other careers. So like if you were good in medicine science, you had to be a doctor or you had to be a, a, a lawyer. You know, so there was like the normal um, career parts. So I was fortunate enough that I went to an open day at one of the universities when I was still in high school. Um, and that's where I got introduced to the study of biotechnology. Um, then I kind of, Actually, they had like a can of beer on display and wine and cheese and yogurt. And for me, it was more the, you know, the interesting, like I didn't know that as a scientist, you could be involved in food products. I've always thought, you know, like scientists, we thought we think they were lab coats and, uh, and goggles and, and microscope the whole day. So I found that quite interesting. And um, at that time, one of the big companies that um, employed uh, people within biotechnology was South African breweries, applied for a bursary, got in, um, and fast forward, actually when I was doing my honors year, uh, it was the same time ACB was trialing a, a project in South Africa 
introducing a BR study at university level. So I was part of the first 10 people. And that's how I got the title of being the first person in the country to have completed a brewing qualification. Uh, because before that, before that, everyone was either doing the, um, the UK-based or US-based uh, qualifications um, or German-based. So I was like the first one to actually do a local brewing qualification. Um, yeah, and then I worked for South African breweries, trained as a brewer, qualified brewer, um, became a brewmaster within the company. And uh, fast forward, I think eight, nine years later, I decided to leave. Uh, actually, before that, um, I think it was 2011, 2010, 2011, that's when the, um, there was a boom in, as you know, Tandy in the South African craft beer scene. Um, and at that time, SAB wanted to probably like, try and see if there was something in there. So I was appointed as a craft beer specialist within the group. Um, and that's for me actually where I think the craftsmanship, the craft side of beer came about. Before that, I was trained to brew the mainstream beers. Um, in that role, I got introduced to to the home brewing community. I was able to brew different festivals. Um, and as I started making more and more beers, people were like, no, but I think your beers are so good. Why are you not doing this by yourself? Um, and I somehow decided to listen to those people. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's been an interesting journey though. Um, yeah, I'll end there before I get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, you, you you started out within that ownership space at, at, at Brew Hogs. And for anybody in South Africa, Brew Hogs um, was, was, it owned a chain of pubs, actually. But because there was a brewery attached to that, you know, all the beers were in-house locally uh, brewed beers by Apiwe. And what was really interesting about them was that they were all lagers, which I thought was awesome. Red lagers and dark lagers and light lagers and, you know, different almost flavors. And Remember, we even have an IPL, the India Fair that's Lager. That's true. Everyone yes, was into was IPLs at the time. Um, and then that's how I got to be known as the queen of lagers. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. But, th but then soon after that, you know, after a few years of that, you decided to, in fact, move away from that, go into Brewster's Craft, which was a company that had a few different sort of arms to it. Uh, one of them was setting up a contract brewery. And I thought it was a really interesting model because, you know, building a brewery and starting up a brewery is a really expensive endeavor. And um, Apiwe, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of your strategies was to get other brewers who needed their beers brewed contracting with you to help, you know, fund those costs as well as get good beers out there and with a strong preference to lager or I might be misremembering. <laughs> no, no, you, you're not far off. But um, um, actually, when I left SAB in 2015 um, and, and joined um, the guys at Brewhouse, we actually started the company. Um, so I was heading up the, the brewing, the operations of the brewery and, and while they focused on the pubs. Um, I actually, at the same time, started my camp Brewster's Craft because, I mean, I, for me, um, what I realized was as much as the industry was growing in South Africa, it was still lacking a lot in terms of the formalized uh, training. And we still are, um, you know, where I felt, you know, as, as, as we're growing to keep up with that growth, we're going to need a pool of 
qualified brewers. Um, and at that time, um, which is still partly the case now, a lot of the guys were, were mainly home brewers who had started, we had read one, two books, watched uh, you know, a YouTube channel here and there, uh, brewed one, two, three beers. Their friends think the beer is the best thing ever. And then they decide to start a brewery, you know, um, and, and you find that um, obviously uh, not to talk anyone down, but you know, when once you start having sulfurs, like obviously now you don't know where to start. You don't understand that when we talk of his management, his health, what does that mean? Um, viability, you know, like all these technical terms that, you know, as brewers, we, we kind of throw around. Um, so Brewster's craft for me was to kind of close that gap. Um, started off as a uh, offering training and consulting for, for the craft brewers. Um, and also did training for the big breweries also because of my background. Um, and I got, uh, the company was accredited as a training provider by the, by the um, education, a South African education, um, what did they call it? Framework, I don't know what they call it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, so when, as I started helping people with the training consulting, I help people develop their recipes uh, help them put together business plans. Um, you know, some of them came back and said, okay, fine, great. I have what is a great recipe. You've done a test page for me. You know, we've got this on paper, but my investors want me to prove concept. You know, where is a product sold? How many of it is being sold? You know, so they kept on asking, but where can I brew it? Can you help us now officially launch a product in the market? So the idea of actually expanding Brewster's craft to include the brewery started from that point to say, mm -hmm. you know what, to then offer um, a full turnkey solution where I help with the, um, you, some people come with the ideas, I help them, you know, make, make them make sense, um, help them put together a business plan. Um, and I always thought, you know, and uh, <laughs> that I wouldn't have my own brand. I, I, I was content with helping other people. And I always, um, you know, I always make the analogy that, you know, as, you know, as ladies, we always, when we're young, we're like, I don't want to have my own kids, you know, my, my, my sister's kids are like my own, <laughs> my sister's like my firstborn, <laughs> but as you grow older, um, and then, you know, and, and, and you actually appreciate life more, and that when you start having your own child, you actually, your life, the outlook on life changes, and I think for me, that's kind of like how it has become. Because um, then when I then started looking at the, at the idea of setting up the brewery, then I started toying around with the idea of having my own brand. And, um, and as I started talking to people about, you know, this, this business model that I, I'm thinking of putting together, I presented it to uh, one of the government agencies. Um, and the idea was that this place will be an incubation hub, basically a place where entrepreneurs will come in, um, launch their brands, I'll help them because I have the technical know-how. So they would then just be uh, beer entrepreneurs who would start brands and grow brands and focus on themselves and marketing, where I would uh, make sure that the product is obviously of highest quality. So yeah, that was the idea. Um, they believe in my idea. <laughs> they gave me 10 million rent. <laughs> So to, to put the the brewery together um and that was in 2017 2018 um but yeah and then we had um i mean one of the challenges 
um, we face, especially as craft brewers in South Africa. And actually talking to a few people, it's not only our issue where, you know, um, licensing is an issue. Um, so I had to, as much as I had the, the offtake, the offtakes, I had, um, you know, the, everything signed, sealed and delivered, but one of the key requirements was that I needed to have my license sorted out. So that took about eight months to get my liquor manufacturing license. During that time, I couldn't trade. And because uh, obviously I had then at that time left Bruhogs, resigned um, as a shareholder there to focus on my new project. Um, so I had to kind of pay rental for close to a year without any income. Um, it was quite a tough time, um, but fast forward eight months later, got my piece of paper, which meant my funds were being released, ordered my equipment. There was New Year's in China, so that was another <laughs> few weeks of delay. Uh, fast forward um, 2019, I think the breed landed um, in, the, in, in Durban um, by the harbor around just after Easter. Uh, 2019, obviously then we had to move it, move it out from Durban to Joburg, get the brewery ready for the equipment, installation, commissioning. I think we did our first commission brews around July, June, July 2019, started production probably like around August, September. And then I employed people because then, you know, we're getting ready for 2020. I said I needed to start paying the loans back. Um, I had um, eight uh, people, eight staff members, seven of which were female, by the way, mm. you know me. <laughs> um, and yeah, March 2020, you know, the world just mm. went on. The world went to so shit. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so it was, it was a tough time because at that time I just had like all these young people that were all so eager and excited you know, um, and I was due to start repaying my loans because of all the other delays. Um, and in South Africa, we had the toughest, um, alcohol, like mm -hmm. alcohol adults with the pandemic, I think probably when you raise the alcohol, the, the toughest because we had total ban on, yeah. on, on, we couldn't manufacture, we were actually banned from making the product from distributing it, from selling it. It was like a total shutdown. We couldn't even sell online. We couldn't. So that was like very tough times. Uh, I, I launched a non-alcoholic product. I tried to change the brewery to making sanitizers. Uh, yeah, it was it was a very mm. emotional roller coaster period. I can imagine. <laughs> Which fast forward, um, 2021, we closed down. Yeah, I mean, you know, for those who didn't know, but in South Africa, the, the lockdown really was very severe. So no no alcohol, um, everybody was locked in their houses, you know, similar restrictions to us, except that we could we could sit at home and get drunk. We could get Craft Central or McHugh's or whoever to deliver beer to us. And we were all, you know, living, living our best lives at home, not having to commute to work and being able to drink through it. In South Africa, everybody was locked down. It was complete prohibition. And, you know, a, a lot of what happened as well was that people started making their own. So not just home brewers. Um, and, and there was quite some innovations that that went on during this time, you know, in terms of selling wort instead of beer. Um, you know, there were lots of interesting yeah, I tried things that, that. happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, we all tried means to survive <laughs> just to get at least like whatever sense can come in just to because after the first lockdown after that they, they sort of like relaxed them where there was a point where um we could go work we could go to work um to brew but we still couldn't sell you know so mm. and then there was a time where they opened restaurants but then they were not allowed to sell alcohol and then people got creative there with teacups and all that. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> South Africa is a, place, a special place for this. But look, out of it, <laughs> you know, you, you started Tolokazi. Um, you started Tolokazi through it. And whether you closed down the brewery or not, the brand has survived. Tell us a little bit about the brand and, you know, what it means to you and where the name comes from and all the lovely things we want to know. Yeah, so um, so Tolokas actually is is like I said earlier, you know, when with the brewery, that's when actually the idea of having the brand came about, and the plan was that it was going to launch officially launch in like I think March twenty twenty. Um, you know, we had done the label designs and everything. So when when with the lockdowns, um, one of the most difficult things for me was to, um give projections to to my funders to say you know because a lot of the brands i was brewing for were very um fairly new you know so none of them were like well established in the market so um in terms of making sure that after the bands would be able to continue so that's when i just i realized that actually you know what had maybe had i had a strong enough brand in the market um, you know, before, if my model was the other way around and I had a strong enough brand in the market um, that I was able to push more volume that, you know, the, it was able to carry the brewery, maybe I wouldn't have closed. So that's where then I decided, you know what, let me maybe focus my energies. I mean, what was happening was happening. There was nothing I could do about it. Um, you know, I just told myself that, you know, um, the COVID-19 pandemic was a global thing. It was not that someone, you know, um, you know, in South Africa, we believe in, in, uh, in Africa, actually believe in witchcraft and all this. You're like, no, but it's not like there's some person who's climbing some, some broom somewhere who's just decided that he's going to make sure my life is miserable, um, that it was just something that just happened and no one saw it. And, um, and it's there, you know, um, there's nothing much we can do, but just remain positive. So, I think for me, I just um, kind of mentally switched my thinking and said, you know what, let me, let me focus on something um, and channel the energy on that. And for me, that was Dologazi, the brand. Um, and so Dologazi is my clan name. Um, so clan names in, in the African context is, is more, is like higher than a surname. So even though my surname is Musani and it's Mawela because I'm married to Mawela with my husband, my husband's family but i you keep your clan because that links to the ancestors um so i'm very um proudly rooted in my traditions um so i wanted to celebrate that and because other reason for me was because a um when a woman as much as you change your surname but as a brewer you will you always keep your clan name and most of the time the brewers are called or named after their clan names. Um, so if I was in the 
10th century, <laughs> living somewhere in deep Africa. And I was bringing beer. People would call me Dolokas. They'll probably say we're going to drink what Dolokas. Um, and for me, that's why I chose the name because the brand for me uh, celebrates women uh, brewers. Um, and our label, those who've ever had the privilege of coming across our label, we actually talk about the brand story where the brand pays homage to female brewers, past, present, and future. A past being the, the old grannies who've been brewing beers in Africa for centuries without knowing the science, without really understanding. They had their own understanding of what they were doing because that knowledge was being passed on from generation to generation. And they perfected that, um, that um, African science, if you want to call it that, present being people like me who are now living in the current era, who are, are, are facing our own challenges as women, and, and the future being the women who will obviously come after us. And, um, and it is our duty to make sure that when they come in, we would have changed certain things. So for me, the brand is around that, is around um, also celebrating who we are as Africans, showcasing to the world at large that you know we exist we make great beers um and uh and that's why i use a lot of african ingredients uh so i've got a sorghum pilsner uh which uses sorghum cereal as part of the grain bill i use only south african hops um i've got an african pale ale which uses south african hops um and then on my side is i've got the rooibos berry cider and i'm doing actually a marula cider um in the new year Yum. Yum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Candy, you want to bring some want to bring some back? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think I will bring some back. <laughs> so I have so many questions, but I want to start with um, my my extreme jealousy of uh, the subscribers of Beer 52 who um, Oh yes who got 200,000 cans of your beer that was produced in Croatia and then sent to them. And I read that and I am, yes, very jealous. <laughs> and like, can we do this in Ireland? How can we do <laughs> No, that was actually, cause um, you know, I think for me, I'm, I'm quite a, the type of person I am, I don't like, I, I don't bottle things in. So when I was going through all these, um, emotional states and um, not that I was venting, but I was sharing and just like, you know, that was my way of dealing and, and I think it's uh, my therapy. Um, and I used to post a lot on social media, especially LinkedIn. And just, cause I, th I at that time I thought, you know, as a world, people need to know, you know, what's happening in South Africa, um, you know, how how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected us and what was, as, as things were unfolding. And as we went through the different uh, lockdowns, so apparently I was I had one a connection with one of the CEO of BF52, which I actually didn't even know. So yeah, he sent me a message and he's like, you know what, um, he's been following my story, and what can he do to help? You know, is there anything they can do? And we started talking about possibly having the beer as part of in in their mixed case. Um, but obviously then, you know, transporting beer would have made no sense. So they found a brewery in Croatia that was willing to brew for, um, for me on my behalf. And um, they connected me to the brewmaster there. Um, and then the other challenge was getting the ingredients across. So we had to kind of like 
you know, figure out the best way to, to do that. But um, on BF52, I mean, when I went through the comments and um, the ratings, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> and on Untapped, I was like, oh, this is actually quite nice. <laughs> I was quite jealous. I know the beer's I... <laughs> good. <laughs> I know the beer's good, but you know, sometimes you you like, you know, you get, you get, um, I mean, the, the, the few comments we were like, I don't like a postman. So I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was quite jealous because I knew that that deal was happening and I knew that the cans were, were available through Beer 52, but they don't ship to Ireland. I still messaged up here and said, up here, yes. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, let, let sleeping dogs lie. We're going to have to find a way to get uh, Tolokazi mm-hmm. into Ireland. But yes, yeah, so that definitely happened. That was great. And well done you for getting out into, into the broader world. I mean, it's challenging. Af- you know, South Africa is very far down in yeah. terms of Europe centric, the world. Yeah. No, we, we like Africa is far down, <laughs> but that's why we are here. Mm. Yeah, so speaking about the beer, I, I, um, you talked a bit about historical and traditional brewing techniques, and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit more about that, because the historian in me just, I, I, I want to know everything. So, <laughs> so um, obviously, this is based on what I heard, um, because um, the sad part is that, you know, we don't have a lot of the stuff documented, um, obviously, based on, on the history of the country. But um, you know, for me, I I grew up in in the village, but I never actually knew how to brew beer. <laughs> Interestingly enough, because uh, brewing beer in in our culture is something that's done by women only, um, and it's typically it's a recipe that will be passed on from generation to generation. Um, and um, whether there's a funeral, there's a wedding. You know, whatever ceremony, whenever um, there's something that talk that connects with the ancestors, it has it is a must that there must be a beer brewed, and if that beer ferments, it then means that the ancestors are happy. And uh, but if the beer doesn't ferment, and we know we know scientists why why a brew not ferment, but um, culturally it means something didn't go right. There's a bad omen, you know, and an end. So. For me, I used to like growing up as kids, you like see the my my mother and my grandmother doing like whatever, you know, the old people. Um, but for me, the interest in 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 taking the pride in in traditional African beer making actually came after I qualified as a brewer. Um, when I did my diploma in brewing and um traditionally as my parents are still also um as much as they they're highly educated. They're still like very traditional. So when I when I got my when I passed my um, university, got my first job, got my first car, uh, my dad called me up. He's like, "No, you have to come back home and and do something to thank the ancestors because of of all the of the blessings. You know how mm-hmm. your life has just um, things have been going very well. So uh, traditionally, if you are if I'm the one who's wanting to connect with ancestors, um, I need to touch something during the brain process, whether you just fill the pot with water or you just help here and there, but you have to be present. So mm-hmm. you, you, it's part of, um, I mean, it's part of 
how it's done. So when I went home and as I was watching them, because now I had a different understanding because I just finished my diploma. I knew about molting and meshing and lodging. So everything, whenever I looked at what they're doing, and I'm like, no, but you know, you guys, that's like meshing. And then my, they will fill the water with their elbow. I'm like, I'm like we, because I knew then what it meant. Um, and for me, seeing how the two are actually the same, um, the process is the principles, the science behind it is exactly the same. I was like, wow, like I should be knowing this. Why am I not knowing this? Um, and that's when I decided, you know what, I need to put more energy and focus and 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 know more about it. And and from that, uh, I know Tandy, I'm jumping onto your probably one of your questions. Um, through through my um, the nonprofit I started Proof for Change, one of the key things I, I do also recently, I hosted a competition uh, for Gombo Tea Brewing. sorry, um, I've realized that a lot of the young people, like my generation and younger, because we 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 urbanized, we now stay in the big cities. We don't spend as much time in the village. Um, we so which, which means that the tradition is not being passed on as it used to back in the days. Because when we go home, um, we normally get there on like a Friday because you you have to work the whole week. So maybe you take off a Friday. Um, so and the brewing process takes the whole week. It starts on Monday. Um, for for beer that has to be consumed on Sunday on Saturday, so you're missing all that. So we're not having that being passed on. Which, when I looked at it, is like probably in three three generations to come, nobody will know how to brew um, mm -hmm. our traditional African beer. So we'd have lost that tradition. Therefore, you know, you know what then comes with that that we can't, you know, we won't be able to connect. The way our, our grandparents connected with our ancestors and we lose our identity and we lose who we are and mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's sort of like one of the that's a chapter in your book my dear <laughs> <laughs> but i mean Mkomboti is such an interesting beer and i think the distinction um you know when you're talking about the different qualifications that you've gotten along the way one um that that you've often mentioned to me before is this sort of clear beer or clear beverage as opposed to opaque which is like umkomboti. so could you tell us some of the differences between you know almost traditional south african beer and what a european centric view of beer might be yeah so um umkomboti is mainly made with uh actually sorghum and um and maize those are the main ingredients um and traditionally uh they never used to add yeast and that was because it was it's like a wild fermentation um lambics basically. Um, so they would have this hut that um, was used as like the brewing room where only the brewer would go in there. Um, and obviously in there, that's where you'd have your different microorganisms. Um, obviously back in the days, they didn't know this. They, they, they probably um, thought the gods were we obviously blessing them with making sure that the beer ferments, but obviously with our modern day understanding that there was probably a lot of microorganisms in there that through selection have within became the ones that were able to make good beers for the people. Um, so the product itself is as much as we filter, so the filtering is more sieving. Um, so it is, it is uh, depending on which parts of um, the continent you're from. And even in South Africa, 
we have the different tribes that all prefer different ways um, mm -hmm. because the first step is actually more a, a lactic sour, souring process, which is a natural sour, allowing the lactobacillus on the grain to actually do the souring. Um, so some people would leave it for two days, some leave it for three days. So depending, some would do just a one day. So that all depends on obviously the level of sourness you, you, the people would, would typically like. Um, and then once we've done the souring, we then um, boil because we're using sorghum and, and maize, obviously to gelatinize this, the, the grain. Um, and then once it's cooled down, they would add another fresh, bag of um, sorghum. Um, obviously, this will then come with the enzymes to break down um, the, the starch. Then you mix it with cold water, and then you leave it to ferment. <laughs> and once it's done fermenting, we then sieve out the, the grain, um, and then it becomes this opaque. Um, mm. uh, some people, like if you've had um, like porridge, but it's not as thick as porridge. It's, um, it's quite uh, thin. Um, and then the, in terms of the color, depending on the type of sorghum you use, some people use red sorghum, so it would have a pinkish color. Some people use white sorghum, so it's gonna be more white color. So it's all in the variations. Um, and in different parts of the continent, they use millet. Um, so it all, it all, but basic principle or the, diff, the basic recipe is very similar. Mm. And on taste, I mean, normally it ferments depending, uh, like probably 2% alcohol. Um, I know now people also add sugar just to up the alcohol levels. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's very cool that you ran. Um, what what certainly was a first for me was that frozen Mbozi competition. Uh, I think that was great. I loved following that on social media and seeing, seeing how it got on. Um, yeah. Um, you know, when we had the competition, you know, so um, this year I allowed people to also just, um, our theme was Umlando. So Umlando means we want people to also uh, link back to their roots because we're all in Johannesburg. So it's a very mixed culture, you know, so it's no longer like, let's say, for example, in one section of the country where it's predominantly a certain tribe. So everyone makes it the same way. Whereas now we are all like in Joburg, everyone is like coming from that part of the country, the others coming from the north, from the south to the east. So one of the key things we did was also allow people to just sort of like introduce themselves um, and, and tell us more about, you know, the culture they're from. And, uh, and, and what was very interesting for me was, um, which is something I would actually love at some point to probably uh, pen down into, um, into something that would live on for longer. Is, is the differences in the different cultures. I mean, we all put a blanket on it as Mkomboti, but, you know, just tasting from the different parts, even from the same tribe, like I'm, I'm closer, um, even from my own people, they make it differently. Like how my mom's side of the family makes it to my dad's side of the family, there's differences even there. And, and that, that is like, and, and all the beers come out great. And it's just one of those things that people do not, you know, there was never a science lecture given, but people just know mm -hmm. what to do. They understand sterilization, that you, everything you touch, everything, when you start bringing everything, must, you boil the water first and everything that's gonna get in contact with the beer has to be washed with that boiled water. 
And it's one of those things where, like, my mom will say, you don't ask, you just do, because that's how it's done. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels between between that and sort of Kvike or Norwegian farmhouse brewing and, and, you know, all the kind of really old brewing where people didn't know exactly what was happening or they couldn't name it, but they knew that it had to be done that way because it was done that way so there's lots of parallels all over the world it's so cool yeah it is very cool. no i i do have a question so well, more of a comment um so i i've i've watched several of your interviews and 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 you talk a lot about sort of the importance of supporting local um and drinking local and i just wondered if you wanted to just kind of expand on on that a bit Yes, I am. I am pro. I am pro local. Um, I think it's 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 part of you know. In South Africa specifically, you know, we our industry talking about craft beer industry, we follow a lot of the American trends and the European trends. Um, you know, Tandu will also tell you everyone makes an IPA, and we American style IPA, and everyone wants to make it how we all think it's the way it should, it should be in, in, in the US or everyone wants to make a German vice. Um, and, and for me, I always have this thing that if people are coming to our country or our continent to experience who we are and what we have to offer, um, I mean, we take them to the safaris, we take them to see the big five. Um, we, we, we have African food cuisines, we have, we dance, we've got our clothes, we've got all this, but at the end, when it when they have to have a beverage, then we give them Stella or Heineken. <laughs> and I'm like, but like we have not completed that experience, um, the local experience, and 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 that's something for me personally. Uh, I've quite I've been quite vocal in 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 the industry to say, guys, we need to have our own identity. No, obviously mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we're all going to do that same thing, but we all need to have, people must come to South Africa and Africa and be like, oh my God, I had this beer. I'll probably never have it again until, unless I go back there. Uh, so now if they're going to come, if you guys are going to come here and have the German version, like, no, but you're not even German up here. What are you trying to do? <laughs> have you ever been to Germany to start off with to know what a German advice supposed to taste like? But I'm here, you know, I know what African beer tastes like uh, mm -hmm. because that's what I grew up on. Um, and that's something that you guys do not know. So it is my duty then to, to make sure that I introduce you to that. And you introduce me to your beers or your your locals and I do the same with mine. So um, I do that uh, I, I was even outside of beer. I mean, I'm wearing a local made shirt. <laughs> so for those who are just listening, Apiwe, put it up again. I know it says, I am my ancestors. Am ancestors' wildest dreams. Wildest dreams. There we go. I love that shirt. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, I love it. So Apiwe, what is next for Tolakazi? What plans have you got in the works? Um, so yeah, interesting times I heard. Huh? Um, I think for me, it's 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 continuing with just spreading, um, what I call the gospel. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, the beer, craft beer in South Africa. Um, I think that through doing talks to to through um, you know, attending the international um you know we are judging um i think in that space i'm also able to recently i was in brazil um earlier like last month 
you know, seeing what they're doing, you know, um, and, and, and seeing how far they've gone. I've, talking, I've taken some learnings from that to say, you know, if I could, if I come back to South Africa, this is what I'm going to try to do because I've seen it there and building those networks. Um, and that is just for, um, I think, me wearing my many hats, that's just me on a personal brand perspective. But I think for Delogazi, also, um, you know, continuing building that network and um, continuing just putting our, putting our stamp in South Africa um, and also having presence. Uh, it might not be physical presence across the world for now, but I think for me, um, what, what I want to do is make sure that when people come to South Africa, you know, they, the Logaz is part of the South African experience. Uh, it's part of the African experience um, that you come here, you, I mean, like we spoke about rooibos now. I mean, the first thing people would probably ask, what is rooibos? Then that opens up the, the, the conversation around rooibos is actually, it's, it's, a, it's a bush, it's a tea bush that grows only in the Western Cape. It's indigenously South African. Um, you know, you can, you're never gonna find it anywhere else in the world. Then it opens up all those, um, you know, those interesting talks about what makes South African unique. Um, so it's not we're not only that we're not only known about having lions as pets. <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't have lions as pets, guys. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> but it's no not... lions as pets. We don't ride elephants to school, <laughs> no, and we absolutely no. do have Wi-Fi and airports. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Um, I also see giraffes when I go to like I have to drive all the way to the parks to go see. A giraffe and it's also like quite a oh my god I just saw an elephant so but just to change the perception on Africa you know um that you know we also have a lot to offer the world um we also have you know um we deserve the sit on that table when when people talk about global trends and we are what is happening in the industry that we need to say oh yeah we also doing this and that we are also selling this trend Mm, I love it. And you mentioned Brew for Change earlier. So this is a nonprofit organization that you uh, that you founded and helped run. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so I actually, before I started, before I officially registered the nonprofit, I had been doing a lot of stuff because for me, I think the the there's three main, I think I'll say passions or uh, things that are core value to me. Um, that is, and, and, and that links to who I am. So I always say to people, I'm a brewer first, who happens to be black and who happens to be female, um, that the latter doesn't define who I am. But I do appreciate the fact that it's, I'm a minority within a minority. And um, as a result, it is, it is up to me and those who, are, who have been able to you know, open certain doors to make sure that those doors remain open for those who follow, you know. So I am very pro anything that supports women in the industry and anything that supports Black people within the industry. So I, I felt that, you know, maybe, because I've been doing quite a lot of stuff just, just on my own, uh, that maybe if I then channeled it through the nonprofit company, um, it will also help in terms of um, getting the necessary support. I'm also very uh, passionate about education. 
um and um because i also believe that you know i i got privileged or i got the privilege of being aware of biotechnology and being where i am today because of someone decided to make sure that i knew like i mean if i had not gone to that open day i would probably would never have known about that study i would have ended up becoming a doctor who hate who didn't like becoming a doctor <laughs> and i probably would have been a miserable person i would be having this with you <laughs> the world is richer for for that open day thank goodness for that day you know? so um it's also something that i that's quite close to my heart to, to go to schools and um and just i share this my share my journey with the learners and and just um especially from the previously disadvantaged communities and say you know what guys it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter who your parents are it doesn't matter your circumstances whether you stay in the shack whether your parents both passed away whatever the circumstances it should not matter the world is 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 only what you make out of it um there are so many opportunities that you just have to work hard i mean i i summarized my story but it was not i didn't just wake up and these things happened it was through a lot of hard work um and um so those are some of the things that are kind of quite close to my heart and which um i want to continue doing mm-hmm. love to hear it so what's your favorite beer out of your own range Ooh. at the moment <laughs> <laughs> depends on the mood <laughs> um um i think i'm enjoying the um you know i'm i'm enjoying the sogam post now so it's also you also see on our social media uh dologa social media pages or whether you go on our instagram um or tiktok or or twitter i'm actually pushing that more and mm-hmm. um and the reason being you know i i feel it's it's a beer that um that talks to the wider demographics of the country uh so if you are a um a white person who is into craft beer you you find it interesting because you've never had anything with sorghum before mm-hmm. um and also for me it's a crossover because a lot of people like sorghum because immediately they think of the traditional beer and and i feel it's like a cross it's something that could help you know just cross people over if they want to try it um but also make them aware um of 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 the traditional side of brewing and then within the black community it's um also something that's quite interesting for a lot of people because when they think or when they hear sogam or they see sogam they always think traditional rural mm-hmm. and i'm like no this is actually a modern take to unkumbot this is you know um i'm not may, i'm not saying we must forget who we where we come from but um you know why are we not not changing with the times and experiencing different taste so i'm i'm enjoying playing around with the spear specifically and just um educating people and and allowing because what i've also noticed is that once people someone tries that who is a purely mainstream beer drinker they be like no this is actually quite different from my typical lager mm-hmm. and then that's where the conversation starts you know and then for me i feel in that would make them you know be be more open to trying out the next craft beer because they had one that was not too far out to what they know 
um, but at the same time, it had an element of being unique and different. Therefore, when they come across something else that is unique and different, they're probably going to try it. Mm -hmm. So it is something, it's a beer that, uh, like I said earlier on, it appeals to both hardcore craft beer drinkers, um, someone who's just starting into craft and somebody who's just purely mainstream, it can actually help further goals with the industry. So I'm enjoying mm -hmm. playing around with it and pairing it with food. Um, that's something I've also gotten into now, beer pairings um, and just educating people about beer. That's amazing. So, that so cool. Yeah, for me, it's, it's, um, it's I'm enjoying you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, when 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 things happen as people, when bad things happen to you, um, you, you sometimes feel like the world is about to end. Uh, but you know, for me, I'm great. I think it was it had to happen. It was part of my journey. Uh, it had to happen because it's also given me a different look at life. Um, I appreciate certain things more than I probably did. Um, and I guess part of growing up. And I look forward to what the future bill brings and um mm. and and just you know connecting with um with everyone in the beer industry and and not feeling like because sometimes I would feel like I'm doing like going in circles like not moving forward but um when I get to platform like this and hear you guys say all these wonderful things about me I'm like oh my god actually you know um <laughs> I am doing something <laughs> so I do appreciate 100%. Mm -hmm. ah, love it. Um, so for everybody listening at home, if you'd like to follow Apiwe or Tolokazi, um, there are a couple of handles you can take note of. So Apiwe herself is on Tolokazi underscore the Brewster on Instagram, um, but yeah, you'll yeah. probably find everything from there as well. Um, you can look at Tolokazi the brand, so the beer brand, at Tolokazi Beer. They'll all be in the show notes anyway. So all the links will be there. Um, the other one is the website. So tolokazibeer.co.za is the, the beer website. And all of the social links are there too. But as usual, they'll all be in the show notes below. Um, and you can go and follow a P-Way and say hi. And if you're in South Africa, make sure that you stop in and you know try some of the Tolokazi beer. It would be fabulous to hear. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I might, uh, hopefully by then I'll have my tap room because that's one of the things that are happening in 2023. Ooh. Um, my own tap room. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I just want to have, I really want to have fun with the brand. 2023 for me is a time where the year that I just want to have as much fun and explore many things because I want to make it more of an experience, experiential brand um, and um, see what happens thereafter. Mm. That sounds amazing. I enjoy that shift from owning the brewery and the technical side and almost the physical space to in, to owning the brand and owning the experience Fine. of a brand. Like, that's a really so interesting fun, journey. Eh? Mm. Yes, yes. I love it. Yeah. Well, Apiwe, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Um, mm -hmm. And thank Christina you. Friend, always nice to chat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is great. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> All right. Well, you. raise a glass. Thank you, Apiwe. We'll see you soon, my friend. Bye-bye-bye, everyone.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.